Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gibbs Hello and welcome to the second installment of Red Side of the Trend of the season. Uh, obviously, I'm your host, Christian Brown. As always, I'm joined by Reese Lane, Adam Wicklow and Lee Clark. It's season started in a uh, unsuspect manner as far as we're very much um, given the harsh lesson of Premier League life with a 2-0 defeat away at Newcastle United to kick off the season, which as leaves the Reds with zero points in the first game. Um, it means that Forest have lost their opening game for the last four years in a row which is an unenviable stat, but this is, it's going to be difficult. And yeah, it's been a very eventful few weeks as well as that because of a few transfers and a few other, other developments rather than the playing squads. But yeah, we'll start with the Newcastle game. So Adam very much seemed as I obviously, I feel a bit bad because obviously both you and Lee essentially tied up with your birthday. Adam, you went up um, obviously without, you know, to make them make the most of Newcastle, hope had a good weekend regardless. And um, it was very much, welcome to the Premier League this isn't going to be easy and I think the um, the bubble and maybe glow post Wembley might have started to wear off a little bit now and people might start to maybe realise that this is going to be a bit of a slog yeah um, it was an awakening that's for sure because Newcastle come right out of the blocks uh, I was not expecting that to be fair although really I should have because it's an Eddie Howe team and they did it at Bournemouth for a large period of time and obviously Newcastle did it uh, when they were successful at the end of last season so massive rude awakening really for us it kind of humbled us and I think it's a it's a good and a bad thing obviously bad bad because of the result but good because it's kind of we, this is the level we need to get up to to compete and beat the teams that are going to be in and around us so I think there's some positives but I don't want to dwell on them too like I, I would like to like touch on them but I think overall you've got to be disappointed because you've lost a game of football at the end and we didn't really put a meaningful attempt on goal. Uh, Nick Pope, I don't think, really had to he didn't make a save. So and 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 you can't you can't do that in the Premier League in any game really. Otherwise you you're just fighting a losing battle for, for 38 games and it's looking a bit bit dark, down in the doldrums. But I, I don't want to dwell on the positives, uh, negatives, should I say, too much either, because otherwise it's going to be a long season for us, especially on this podcast day. 
it's going to be very much fun. I think a lot of, um, I think there does seem to be some justification towards it as well. It's worth noting that Newcastle have only lost St. James's Park to Man City and Liverpool since Eddie Howe took over last December, which is very impressive records. And you know, it was never going to be easy. It was, it was even as soon as the fixture list got announced, we all looked at that and thought that's a really hard game. I think all of us, you know, with our predictions, gladly were taking the point. Unfortunately, it wasn't to Beely. But generally speaking, I mean, for a good, I mean, obviously, thanks to Dean Henderson and other bits and pieces and some good defending too. But we actually largely frustrated them for the first half. Um, you know, it did seem as if that while they were getting a lot of the ball into good areas, they were either overplaying it in the final third or just being generally quite toothless. And the longer it went on, it did seem as if there might be a, a glimmer that we might have held out for a point. But do you think there are some positives to be taken from the fact that we did largely were very, you know, very defiant in trying to in our approach? Yeah, I think like Adam's just said, it's going to be a long old season if we don't take any positives from from our bad performances because we. Ultimately, we're in the Premier League. We're a newly promoted side. We're going to have bad performances. So, I think Steve Cooper's the sort of bloke that will always look to take positives. At the same time, he's always the bloke that want, want to pick up points and he wants us to be competitive. So, yeah, there weren't many. I've got to be honest, there weren't many at all. Um, the fact that we did hold out, what was it, fifty-eight minutes? Um, Just have an hour, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. We, I mean, me and Reese have just been saying before we come on here. I think had we gone on maybe another 10 minutes, then the home crowd could have really started to turn. Um, you know, if they're sort of 20 minutes away from dropping two points at home to a newly promoted side, um, would they have started pushing a few more bodies and leaving a bit more space for us to exploit? It's all hindsight, so you never know. But possibly, I mean, that might be a little positive. I think talking to people at half-time, it was, if we could get out of here, you know, away from here now with a nil-nil, get a point on the board, happy days. But to be honest... I mean, there's been some talk that 2-0 flattered Newcastle. I mean, by, by the 90th minute and the full-time whistle, I think 2-0 probably flattered Forest, to be honest. I think if Newcastle had nicked a third one, I don't think there could have been too many complaints because it was what I thought was really un-Forest under Steve Cooper was there was no real response to going behind. There was mm. nothing... I mean, I read a piece in the paper today that kind of said Forest are going to have to improve going forward. Well... They're going to have to start doing something going forward because they did absolutely nothing. There was there was literally nothing. There was no positive in that final third. Um, so yeah, that that is a big. It's not a worry. I don't want to say a big worry after on game week one. I think that's a bit too far. But it is a Steve Cooper will know that we can't we can't go on much longer in the Premier League, being being that toothless in attack. Yeah, I think that is a concern. Obviously, recent such that now. I mean, we had. Obviously, again, no shots on target, which is pretty embarrassing, really. Um, obviously, we did have chances. Also, there was an incident where um, Lingard was slipped in beautifully by Lewis O'Brien and had a, unfortunately had a shot blocked by Shah. There was obviously uh, Neko Williams putting a peach for ball for Sam Surridge, who just headed it into the ground and went over. Um, should have done better, really. But the lack of creation was a concern. But realistically, on a game of that magnitude, with the with, um, Game in a balance to nil-nil. Just how costly was that, Surridge miss? And someone that you know you would normally put your house on him at least hitting the target as well. I think it's just um, the matter of the levels, isn't it? Really, um, you know, we all know Sam Surridge in the Championship can finish, um, and you, you would say at any level that kind of doesn't go out um, of yourself as a player. But in the Premier League, 
you know, you probably a bit more of a half a chance once it come across quite quick for him. That was probably. Yeah, I mean, I that wasn't on the highlights, unfortunately. What I've seen, obviously, from the away end, when you got to get your binoculars out to see, kind of just. It, it was just a struggle, I think, for so many players. That includes Surridge in that, and you know, probably most of the lads from last season McKenna, Warrell, Colback. It was just a bit of a struggle for them. Um, and to be honest, with, with the thing is with Newcastle, you can just see the momentum change since that takeover's happened and Eddie Haas come in. It's just a totally different atmosphere. I mean, I watched them a few times under Steve Bruce, and it was turgid um, and obviously when Mike Castor was in charge but now nah, it's just like a totally different um, way of playing etc it it literally reminded me of when Eddie Howe was manager of Bournemouth and we went to Bournemouth away at back end of the season we had a slight chance of getting in the playoffs I think Gary Brazil was caretaker um, and they battered us 4-1 and they played us off the park and it was a bit similar to that style of football where they just passed and moved and at times, Forrest didn't really have any answer for it. Um, like you said earlier, Christian, it was just the fact that they were probably a bit toothless in the first half. You know, that chance Joel Linton had, where he literally walked through his defence and I think St Maximum messed the header up, didn't he, early on? And, but yeah, they, 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 the one bit of quality from us going forward and probably the only bit of quality was that O'Brien where he got Lingard in. And yeah, you would have to, and like Williams, probably, yeah, good ball and you know, I probably could do with seeing that back, really. But um, yeah, it was, it was only like, job, to yeah, to not, to not test Nick Pope was disappointing, and it is. We, we yeah. had a lot of we had a lot of fans in when we was linked with him. How apparently he can't kick the ball out, and we never put him under any pressure. And there was even a time where he literally split our attack to get them on the counter. So just. Um, as disappointed as it was, it was, you've just got to kind of draw a line on it and accept that they were the better team on the, on the day. And we need to, you know, that kind of sentiment of the first game's out of the way now. That, that everyone at the club really now should know the level, what they've got to be competing at. And they've, they've got a chance to put it right in front of a sold-out home crowd on Sunday in front of on telly as well. So mm. let's hope they can make a bit of a statement. No, you think so? I mean, like... The issue is, I, mean, I don't even think it's a golfing class assessment. Well, in the Surrey instance, for example, I mean, the goal doesn't move. Like, the, it's mm. still there. It doesn't matter what league level you're playing at, the goal doesn't move. You get a chance like that. Mm. It's, the frustrating part is, I feel he should have hit his target there. And mm. yeah, but these things happen. And like you said, I think that the thing is that that is the level. I think fans, again, may have been a bit naive in thinking that, oh, Premier League isn't that much of a step up. It's a huge step up. And I think that would have like reaffirmed that, that you know, there is work to do here. Isn't You can't just go into these games uh, under par and expect to come out of something. It just doesn't happen, especially against a side as expensive as was Newcastle as well. And like I said, who play really well. Um, obviously, Bruno Gomares, for example, ran the show on the midfield. Like, we never saw a player of that calibre, even when we had Wolves in the Cup, for example, and Moutinho was pulling strings. Okay, you can maybe say Thiago, when we had Liverpool, it was the next best player. But other than that, Gamares is just a player the team on his own. So we'll have to see. But what did concern me, Adam, was that, you know, the midfield was frequently exposed. It felt like there's a lot of space. However, despite that, it did take a while for, Liv- for Newcastle to break through. And it came like a thunderbolt from distance from Fabian Shah. But again, that space in the middle, 
it seems that Colback could maybe close him down a lot quicker if he or he has a chance to go to him closing down, but sort of backs off. And obviously, lo and behold, it goes in. But do you think he could maybe have done more of that, or do you think it's just the whole the whole way with defending that corner is a bit of a mess as opposed to singling out one person? Yeah, it's. I don't think it's the defending of the corner or anything because I think largely we defended our box pretty well from free kicks. I mean, you got someone like Kieran Trippier over the over dead ball set pieces who's we know what he can do for England. So I thought we defended the box pretty well. Henderson was pretty dominant when he when he was called upon. Um, and we and we 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 kind of camped in our in our eighteen yard box a lot of the time, but that that was expected kind of thing. But Colback, yeah, can get can close him down. But are you expecting a centre half to to really unleash one from there? Probably not nine times out of ten. But obviously, Fabian Shaw's had it got it in his locker because he's done it in the past. So it is disappointing. It's a rocket. Henderson couldn't do anything about it, and it's just one of them. But just going back to your point about midfield, I think. This is where we missed Philip Zinkenagel's work rate yesterday. I know Jesse Lingard is not probably completely match fit, but he also didn't quite... We probably needed him to tuck back in a little bit just to give us the numbers because Willock, Gamirez and Joel Linton were like... It was like when year 11s take a ball off the year 7s and just don't give you the ball back until lunchtime's finished sort of thing. It was like men against kids, really, in, in that instance. Like, they were just stronger, quicker. They knew what they were doing. We, we've talked about this uh, in our uh, predictions pod and I spoke about it with Charlotte from, from the True Faith podcast about Newcastle's business being quite shrewd and not adding so many players. So their team is relatively settled. That first 11, I don't, they didn't have a new signing in it other than Matt Target, who was there on loan from last season with Pope. And they don't have to really gel in, really. A goalkeeper doesn't have to gel into a team because they just go, what do you want me to do? Roll it out to centre-half, full-back, whatever. It's easy. So... We need to work on that. We need to be a bit more braver on the ball, close those angles down a lot quicker. It's it's there's a lot of work to do, but like Reese said, it's we know what standard it is now. It's it's now putting in the hard yards and and whatnot. But I'm more disappointed about our strikers really. And I mean, I, I think Reese or Lee can probably touch upon it. That I was very very disappointed with with Surridge and, and Johnson on the day. Really, we, we basically played with nine men. Mm. Yeah, that's a bit of concern. I mean. Yeah, I mean, Johnson especially just seemed anonymous from what I can gather. He was just trying to flick the ball past Dan Byrne instead of just getting the ball to feet, holding onto it, and either drawing a foul to get us up the pitch or bringing someone into play. And Johnson needs to just believe himself in a little bit more and, and, and believe in his ability to, to get on the ball and, and play because teams will be afraid of his pace. That is, that is the whole reason. But he can win so many fouls for us and relieve the pressure on the, on the back five, as you will. And and then we can we can start playing and and controlling the tempo a little bit more. But it's going to come with game management. It's going to come with experience. And Steve Cooper's no mug, so yeah. Hopefully, I think thing, things to improve. Definitely, I think to be a fair, I mean, like one thing we learned from last season is even when you know pieces were falling in and out of the team or whatever else, Cooper was largely you know he never really got the same level of bad performance twice. Even when we lost games back to back, you know the levels rose. So I expect there will be a reaction next week and there needs to be one, really. But um, leave the second main concern for me was, I mean, like, again, you get to the Premier League, you know, it's great. And but you don't give teams help. And it felt for me the second goal, especially Williams, just basically just let 
have a, show Linton have a free run into the box and pick out Wilson. Like, okay, Wilson's finish was superb past Henderson. Henderson, no chance of that. Like, it was, it was like, the way he steered that. There is not a single player in the championship who could do what Wilson did um, in his current moment in time because that, that's why he is where he is. And that's why he consistently gets double figures in the Prem. But you don't make it easy for them. Why? I get obviously it's a half place to go, but the, a very basic would be tracking a man. And I just felt Williams badly let the other back five down by not following like Joe Linton properly. Yeah, he did. I mean, it was funny actually because I think literally seconds before he kind of uh, messed up there, I'd kind of said, I don't think he's done much wrong today. He, along with O'Brien, I thought he was one of our better players. Um, again, he kind of looked. You could tell he'd played for better clubs because he, he was one that Adam used the word brave. And I think that's that's the word that I said we we massively lacked. We just weren't brave on the ball. It was like, we were almost like we were shit scared of it. Like, I don't know whether it was because big, big crowd, big stadium, first game sets in. I don't know. Um, it, it's difficult to understand. But yeah, Williams did, he didn't cover himself glory that, in that situation, I suppose. But yeah, it's one of them. Um, yeah. It, <laughs> It's difficult. Like I say, I thought it was largely good other than that that one moment, but it has cost us a goal. And I suppose like what we say with storage at the other end, the defensive mistakes that creep in are probably going to cost us goals at this level, whereas in the Championship, you could probably make two or three before it does end up in the back of the net. But mm. yeah, it, it was it was an error and I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll want to learn from that. And I think the, the thing is with Williams, he is probably going to keep his place in the side. Whereas I guess if you look at you keep him with links with a left back. So I guess if you look, if, if the mistake's coming from the other side, then perhaps there is, with obviously Richards being out, maybe he would have been first choice. So I think Williams will kind of take confidence when the team sheet comes out next week and he'll still be he'll still be named on it. But uh, yeah, he's going to have to, like you've said before, Christian, I think he's been used to playing for teams that he's, he's not been used to being tested like that, whereas playing for us now, he, he probably will. Um, let's face it, we are going to be a side that has to do a lot of defending. Um, so yeah, he's gonna he's gonna need to learn that side of the game pretty quickly. Definitely, yeah. And but again, I guess the caveat to that is he's still very young, lots to learn, and a lot of scope there too. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But I mean, obviously, we don't want to end this on a negative on a negative note. Um, race, from, probably few and far between, but uh, positive from the game. Obviously, Dean Henderson played very well. It looked like um, near Carse, he looked pretty good. It's from seems what I saw. Uh, McKenna wasn't terrible. Uh, O'Brien looked good going forwards. Um, Mangala sounded like he had a good cameo. Uh, is there any other positives that you'd like to pick out in terms of player performance? From <laughs> not really, not really, to be honest. Um, just a quick one on the Williams one. To be fair, as well, I will, I will cut him a bit of slap because I know he hasn't stopped the cross, but near Carter lets Wilson get in front of him, and that's how he gets the flick. And at this level, you can't afford to do. That. I mean, that was a. Stop the, stop the cross, stop the goal. Yeah, no. I agree. I agree. The root of the cause, but you know what I mean? I don't know how I got at him, Wilson. That was a, such a clever finish. It's and so it literally, yeah. as it looped, I was like, that's him. Because Henderson was full stretch. He was like nowhere near it. And was there any, was there any positive? You don't want to be negative for negative sake, but I'm, I'm just struggling a bit, really. Mm. I mean, the, the, the positive for me was probably it wasn't a, a hammering. It's only 2 0. Because, yeah. because they, they did get in behind us so many times. And like if it wasn't for either. Yeah. Or even if we did, probably not even, even keeping 11 men on the pitch because we had two players booked after 23 minutes. The right side of the fence, who you've got St. Maximum running at him, mm-hmm. who 
you know, if he had an end product, he'd be playing at the highest level. That's the reason he isn't it? Because every time he ran it, we were scared to death of him. And, you know, he's a very, you know, it reminds me of Adama Teori, same type of player, very good at running at teams, which just hasn't got that end product. But if you, what would I take a positive? I've got a, I've got a one, one positive to throw Go in. Go we didn't get stitched over by VAR, so that's one week. Out <laughs> yeah. VAR's not done us. Yeah, well, I didn't even need to intervene for anything, did it? Oh, so, yeah. um, I think the, the thing I will take out is probably what I said in my first comment. I'm hoping now they've kind of just got that first game out of the system, and it, you know, if they need to pick me up, what's better than a sold out city ground? There's probably going to be a display. You'd, mm. you'd hope everybody's up for it. You know, I certainly, I'm sure you guys are as well. I'm really looking forward to it already. It's going to be a special day and I'm hoping it will be a special performance and a win because, you know, West Ham, have, I know they've lost to Man City who are unbelievable what they've lost today. So they'll, they'll probably be a little bit of pressure on them thinking they'll probably expect to come and pick a point up at least at um, City Ground. So it's just a shame David Moyes don't give Mark Warburton the reins for the day and we can <laughs> pick him off because um, there's just no defensive capability. So, yeah, it's our system. It's done now, isn't it? You know, we've obviously got to talk about it, but I think it's probably one... It's probably one game for probably, what would you say, since maybe the Cardiff game where you kind of think, yeah, there's no, no qualms about us losing that one. So, I think, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it did seem fair enough. I, mean, I don't think we can recontest or come in here saying, like, oh, we deserve something. Because obviously, we clearly nah, did. Like, no chance. But um, yeah, I mean, you just have to look away. I mean, at least there were some individual players that looked half okay. Yeah. And, you know, we'll move on for it. And that's all we can do. Um, the good thing about football is that you get a lot of second chances. And thankfully, we've got 37 others. So it's just, one, it's just one game. I mean, I've seen already on Twitter, you know, Bournemouth and Fulham have already made themselves safe because they picked up points and this <laughs> and that and long way to go yet and you know we all know how we started last season so yeah, we've got I, seven seven games yet to get a point or six games to get one point so Christ. yeah um anyway we will move on uh the main news apart from Mangala checking in finally in the last two weeks as we last spoke to you was that Forrest have bid several times for Morgan Gibbs White at Wolves and the latest bid being allegedly 25 million rejected with quite a few add-ons add on to that um so i guess like a lot of reporters close to it said like you know it could be one that runs and runs and runs obviously wolves are very short of attacking players at the minute Jimenez just got injured it, it looks like they're bringing in um, Guedes from Valencia now for 27 and a half million so that could maybe open a door but equally they're still short anyway so i mean adam will he won't he if you had to say right now, do you think Morgan gives white? What colour shirt would he be wearing? Would it be gold or red come September? What do you reckon? It's a really difficult one without knowing the player, obviously. Mm. And then when you look at reports saying that he doesn't want to sign a new contract, but then he starts at Leeds United yesterday because if you're turning thirty million pounds or thirty-five million pounds or whatever that it was going to total to down then he's going to obviously say to the manager, well, if you're turning that kind of money down, I expect to be starting. Mm. Because why would you turn £35 million down for a substitute or a bit in, like a squad player, if, if, if you'd be? So hard to say. If if if, if Morgan Gibbs-White wants to move to play under Steve Cooper and knows he's going to play 
a hell of a lot of football, then you could you could lean towards red. But it's depending how how much are we willing to spend. I don't know if we're willing to spend more than thirty five million. I don't know if is more gives white worth thirty five million pound. Really difficult to say because he's got such a high ceiling, but. I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't see us forking out that much money because are you going to change formation then? Are we going to bring in someone else to play? Maybe and you can swap to a 4-2-3-1 so you can play wide or wherever. It's it's a, a really tricky one uh, to, to really determine. It's kind of a flip of a coin in my honest opinion. It, it A lot of it depends on how much Forrest are willing to pay and what Wolves are willing to do. They they hold all the cards really because course, he's, yeah. got, he's got a two-year contract. They, they can just demand whatever they want and and then like, maybe if they start playing him, he'll go, well, I'll just stay then. So It is interesting that I think that even despite assurances that he'll be playing at Wolves and despite having you know, Lagers had a big like song and dance about him in pre-season, he still outright refused to say that we don't want to talk for new contracts. So, I mean, that is quite telling in its own right. Um, Lee, I mean, obviously, it's, it reminds me of the Bakary Sacco situation with Wolves again. Uh, in that, you know, once again, we try and negotiate them once again. Again, like we're having all these like, oh, the player wants to come, then he doesn't. And then it's like, again, what, where do you think? I mean, obviously the, the valuation, I mean, if, I guess if he's keeper's number one target and he thinks he's worth 35 million, then he's worth 35 million. But again, do you think he will be moving along? Do you think he'll be staying put? I think how I see it is he's probably in the same bracket as Brennan Johnson in the mm. sense that he's young, he's British. Um, so it, we know what modern football is like. That those sort of players come with a premium. So um, I actually don't think it's. I've seen some, as you do, you see some takes from some people, and it's just a bit of a stigma, isn't it? You wear thirty-five million, but it's not. We're not going to for one minute. I don't think we're going to do a deal where we just chuck thirty-five million at Wolves. I think it'll be structured, and I think it'll be. I just think the club is savvier than that. Yeah, it might go in the presses. Oh, they've paid thirty-five million, but. I would imagine it's going to be something like 27, 28, maybe up to 30, but then the other five will be structured. So I actually don't think it's that bad. I think now we're a Premier League club. If 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 Steve Cooper thinks the difference between us staying up and dropping back into the championships is Morgan Gibbs White, then the club should do it for him, I think. Um, from what you hear, from what you read as well, it sounds like he wants to move. He's not going to sign a contract. Um, there's, there's bits and bobs that, his missus and his dad were being targeted by Wolves fans at the game yesterday because he wasn't particularly good. Um, get yourself off to Forest <laughs> with with other words to that effect, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I think he will end up at Forest. I think we're the one club that's kind of persisting with the chase. I think Everton and Palace have kind of sorted other targets now. So, I just I think it's I think Wolves are playing a very clever game because, like Adam said, they played him yesterday, so. Now they can say, oh, actually, you're bidding for a first-team regular. It wouldn't surprise me if it went to deadline day and he'd played three or four games for Wolves um, so they can justify him, oh, he's a first-teamer, so we're going to get you know the top whack for him. But, yeah, I go back to my original point, and I think because he's in the set... You look at what we were demanding for Brennan Johnson, and Morgan Gibbs-White has played far more times in the Premier League than when we were wanting £30 million for Brennan Johnson, well, some of our fans were. Uh, and the club were holding out for... Well, they, they rejected 20, didn't they? So um, I just think taking all that into consideration, I actually don't think he's, he's as overpriced as some, some of our fans are making out. This is it. I mean, he played 48 games down the Premier League, obviously, after yesterday. So it's not like he's just had that one season of Sheffield United. That's he's, it. I mean, he's I think, been around I think, a fair while. Like. 
Yeah, and I think, like I've said, I think if, if Morgan Gibbs-White was not called Morgan Gibbs-White and he wasn't from Solihull and he was from France, he'd probably be worth about 12 to 18 million. But we know what the game's premium, like now. Yeah, yeah they, they come with a there's, a... there's a real... Especially with the homegrown criteria you've got to have now, that clubs just whack extra money on British players. So it, it is what it is, really. Definitely, yeah. Obviously, at Reese, I guess the most telling part was that Marinakis Sr., himself, has now personally taken control of negotiations, which would suggest that it is very much a priority for the club. I mean, I don't think there's anything that means we mean business more than Marinakis himself going, right, this is my remit now, I'll sort it. So taking all that into consideration, what do you think will happen? You mean like Fat Tony and the Simpsons with a press? <laughs> yes, as the um, FFC said, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think how I see it is, I, I do think it is overpriced, but on the flip side of that, if he is the number one target for Steve Cooper, if he said, look, this is a player I think can do this, do that for us, because he does he does press from the front, um, which is what we need at this level. Spending five million to keep your manager happy over the odds, is that a lot? Not really. And, you know, I know it's a bit of hearsay, but he's not signed that contract yet, has he? So there's obviously always a bit of a natural worry in the fan base. And so if you can go out and get him and make it a bit sweeter and things, you know, a bit happier at the club, I'm sure they are happy. I'm not saying they're not, but... um, you know, like if he's a number one target and you pay a tiny bit over the odds, he's not massively over the odds, then why not? Is it like Lee said, he's a talented player. You play a premium with, you know, English and British players. Um, he's not going to, it looks like he sounds like he wants to come to us as well, doesn't it? So it's not as if like a bit of a Frankie de Jong situation at Man U where I want to stay at Barcelona and Man U are trying to sign him. This guy looks sounds like he wants to come and play for us and play for the manager as well, which is a big pull. So, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I do think it will happen, personally, but I just think it will be late on in the window. Um, possibly the same with Garner. I have, I have said that, I think, to you guys all along. I do think late in the window that could happen. He might become available, but We'll see. Um, you know, how many weeks have we got left of it now? Is he three weeks, something like that? Oh, three and a half weeks. You know, I've just seen him while we're on there that um, we've agreed a fee for lads from Real Betis and John Pierce's um, put that was still, you know, wanting to bring others in. So it's clear that they're not happy with the squad. And when you and when you look at the bench yesterday, there's, there's several players on that bench still who you wouldn't expect to be here at the end of the window. You know, we've talked about how Alex Martin needs a loan order. I did think he'd come on and actually had a run at Newcastle yesterday, but the game was pretty much dead then. And then, you know, like Ollie Hammond's never played in the first team and Lyle Taylor is, you know, I think most of the fan base want to move him on. So, mm. you know what I mean? But obviously the lack of options is a bit, not alarming off the bench, but still says we still need players. Um, and that, that was probably the thing yesterday as well, like to get us back in the game, who could you really... I know obviously a one year was on the bench, one team, but after that, there wasn't really much. You know, you bring in on a, like a Trisella winger who we've all said needs a loan in the Championship, never mind the Prem. So, yeah, still work to be done and, you know... It's not my money at the end of the day, not any of us. So, yeah, it's up to Forrest what they do. And if we can get him, then that would be a good sign. And I like Gibbs White, he's a good player. 
I do think, just finally on Gibbs White, I do think as well, you look at some of the journalists that are like popping up and saying, oh, it's close, he's on the verge. There's no smoke without fire with that sort of stuff. I mean, someone somewhere is leaking that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. The level of journalists... And, and, and agents leaking. Yeah, the level of journalists that are putting that out there. We're not talking... We're not talking the lower lower levels of the ladder. We're talking Guardian. We're talking big hitters. BBC. We, yeah, we've, we've, for me, there's, with that sort of stuff at this time of year, there's someone somewhere thinks that deal is very, very close to being completed. Yeah. That's, very, that is, that's a very fair point, actually. It's not like it's not like uni students who are coming out of this stuff. It's actually no, like top-end, grade-A sources who are saying, look, it seems to me, like my take on it, it looks like personal terms have been agreed. I think that's what caused Natalie Jackson to come out with what she did because no again they get like you said no smoke without fire something has yeah. clearly happened something is happening just obviously can't agree with Fee so for now he's Wolves' player but it's yeah it's gonna be one that rumbles I mean and, I think um, Liam Keane at the Express and Star I think his last four tweets have literally just been Morgan Gibbs White's not going to Forest yet <laughs> so I mean it's it's one of them things in it like you say BBC and the Guardian something's happening mm-hmm. behind the scenes I think definitely yeah I think it will, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on for sure Funny enough, as we've been on air talking, I say on air, uh, recording, uh, Forest have agreed a fee of £9 million with Real Betis for left-back slash left-winger Alex Moreno, as per John Percy at the Telegraph, which talking grade-A sources is about as great as you can get. Uh, medical next few days, with the third team signing Forest. Keynote, Forest working on other new additions before the window closes. I know, obviously, Moreno's been a long-term target for quite a while, so that'll be good news for Cooper, good news for the club. Um, I guess the versatility aspect helps there, but I was going to talk to you about other targets that we've been linked with. And um, I think one of them amazingly was Hossam Awa. And um, <laughs> Adam, as we know, Awa, like, you know, was linked with Arsenal, been linked with all sorts of clubs. It does seem as if Real Betis needs to make a sale to finance that one. So I'm guessing that will be us essentially paying for him, but for another club now that we've signed Moreno. What has some hours meant to be coming to us, Christian? <laughs> I don't know. I ain't got a clue. Um, yeah, um, I, I guess it's like it's Cooper's obviously wanting to have other options because teams are going to expect us to play this formation of the the, the three four one two or whatever it will be or whatever variation of you get you get of it. So obviously he wants to cause a uh, be able to change it. Obviously five subs allows you to do that. If you if you need to, and Moreno being able to play left back, left wing back, left midfield, left wing, or whatever you want to call it, is is a good thing. Obviously, got experience playing in La Liga. Looks rapid. Um, mm. it, it's going to be that's going to be a tricky one then to obviously for Cooper to balance out because obviously signed Toffolo, signed Richards, who might not be back till Octoberish sort of time. So one all of them are fit. Like it's it's a big competition for places. Obviously, you're not going to a 29 year old is not going to come without wanting some guarantees almost so I think that'll mean Martin goes on loan to be honest I yeah. think it's interesting that we're looking at Corne as well because Corne can do that left wing back and left forwards yeah so I was wondering maybe I mean I, as much as I admire Steve Cooper like in the sense that you know we're 2-0 down away at Newcastle tough place to go 10 minutes to go and his response is I'll throw in a winger for a centre back and try and get something out of this game hugely commendable and really we're lucky to have someone like that as opposed to like what we've had before in the past like for like changes with no real outcome the issue was Alex Myerson clearly needs minutes somewhere and you know he's throwing him to deep ends into a pack of like full of sharks basically he was never really going to do a lot so I guess um, having Moreno as that option and it obviously gives you two players for that while Richards is injured as well I think that's that's the logic I see for it anyway. I think we'll be seeing, I'll be using him further forward rather than as an auxiliary left wing back. But 
at least, well, second half of the season anyway. But yeah, it's certainly another interesting option for us to have. I know we, we're linked to every Tom, Dick and Harry, it seems, because I think it was it Kodiak, Kodiak Poe, Gakpo, Gakpo Links, yeah, yeah Hasamawa, um, the, the lad from uh, from Benfica, I forget his name, Eve Lynch Striker, Gonzalo Ramos, yeah. yeah. Every single football manager or FIFA wonder kid basically has been linked <laughs> to Forest at some point this window, it seems. So we've we've got a lot of work to do. I, I believe in the I believe I, I I fully trust Cooper to do to do what he needs to do to not only change have have an ability to change games and, and surprise opposition, but to react and, and whatnot. Yesterday, I think like we, we need to like we said, it's we just got outclassed completely. Um, and we had nothing really off the bench other than Owane and, and Mangala, who I thought come on and did okay. I mean, one of the first things I liked about him is he demanded the ball and tried to break the lines of a pass to Lingard, and he, and he did that. He just didn't have enough time, and we just thought the game was already kind of done and dusted really by then. So, yeah, there's so much work to do, but I'm still excited. I'm not going to get too down on it. It's one one oh, game at the end of the day, and, and mm. the city ground is where we've got to pick up our points really away games are kind of a free hit apart from against the teams that are going to be in the amongst around us mm. yeah uh, so we've we've got a kind of come come in like a, a pit a, a position of of like a of this like mini eight team league at the bottom of the of the table really so i'm not i'm not going to get too disappointed no definitely i mean one other lame lead that's been linked with us is side ben rama from West Ham, which is one that came out today. But um, again, if we're signing Moreno, do you reckon that probably means that one's killed off now? Or do you still think we'll try and get from it, go from someone like his caliber anyway? Yeah, I think that probably kills that one. I think, I'm not sure why he'd want another. Um, unless, of course, like you just said, if Alex Moreno is coming in because Richard's injury is worse than initially feared. So he can compete with Toffolo for the left-back spot and then, yeah, I suppose that does open the door for, for Ben Rama still to be signed. I, I wouldn't mind Ben Rama, to be fair. I know he's not he's perhaps not played as much as he would have liked in terms of getting a regular run in the first team at West Ham. But yeah, he's certainly a, a player that I think... I think one thing that the squad is clearly lacking when you looked at the team yesterday is Premier League experience. Mm. Um, and had, had we had a few more players on that pitch yesterday who, even if they've only played in the Premier League a few times, 20, 30, 40 times, would we have put up a better... A fight, maybe. I actually think if Steve Cook had been fit yesterday, we might have, you know, I'm not saying he would have been the be-all and end-all, but I just think he might have made, it was almost at sometimes like the players needed just a bit of a pick-me-up, an experienced head in there, just geeing them up a bit. Um, again, he might have played and we lost 4-0, so it, it's just, it's all theoretical, but some more proven Premier League experience in that dressing room certainly wouldn't be a bad thing for me. I mean, definitely not. Although, um, obviously, Reese, as Adam just mentioned, Kodiak, Cody Gakbo linked with Arsenal, United, Leeds, and now Forest. Um, again, I I can't see us. Leeds make a good point in that, you know, we are, we could, in theory, get Moreno because obviously, let's say Richards is out until after after the World Cup, so that's three months, and then so Moreno plays there with Suffolk or challenges that position, and you still need another wide option to replace Mighton with, so you can go out on loan somewhere. Could that be Gatfo? Again, I saw PSV saying that you know it cost forty million pounds. I can't see us spending forty million pounds on someone and not starting them. So, I just don't think it at all. Yeah, so, I think 
I think Adam and Aaron on the ad into we've literally been linked with every man and his dog. Mm. And I think a lot of these links will be bollocks, to be honest. Um, I just think there'll be agents doing the rounds who know Forest Rafter players and the more active in the market, it'll just link the you know, players with us just for this kind of sake of we're, we're active, especially after yesterday as well. It's funny how we've kind of lost yesterday and all of a sudden, like four or five new links, the players yeah. have come out all of a sudden. So I th- you just got to take them for what they are. It's, you know, that time of season, isn't it? Mm. But, um, I mean, apart from being a wonder kid, I don't really know much about the, the lad. Um, you know, I'm not going to make a watch mm. the Eredivisie because I don't, you know, I follow the league sometimes for betting purposes, but that's about as far as my knowledge goes on that, really. Um, but, yeah, you know, we're still in... The, you know, like we just said about John Percy tweet, and it just does seem like we're still in the market for players. So, you know, I'm sure there's going to be loads of other links. What a nonsense as well. The Ben Ram one, I couldn't see that happening. Yeah, you know, come on for West Ham today, for example. Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, Gibbs White starting for Wolves. So, but, um, you know, Diverin Davis, you like to call him Christian. Um, I think he said their squad's still a bit thin, West Ham. So, you know, we'll have to we'll have to see. But Ben Rama, like Lee said, would be a player I'd take. He's got quality and good player, very but, good. Player. Um, mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to see what happens. Um, <laughs> you know, so God, I think if we'd have signed every player, we'd have another bomb squad, another two bomb squads going on, wouldn't we? If we had a player with, so, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, it, you know, like we've repeated, it's clear. I think for depth wise. Like looking at that bench, as we said earlier yesterday, we need more, but how many more is too many? Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's always, yeah, it's always we'll difficult. I think this is this is what annoys me about you see people like, oh, mm. why have they made so many signings? Like we're just gonna go out with our fucking reserves and just get smacked every week. Yeah. We've literally lost eight. eight we're eight always first. always going to bring in new players. I think that was always gonna be the challenge this season. Well, it, 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 if you see how it, sorry to interrupt you, mate. If you see it is as like we've lost eight first team players and we've brought in twelve so far, so that's a difference of four. Now, if a newly promoted team had brought in four players, everyone would be like, "Oh, that's fair enough." If they brought in half a dozen, they'd be like, "Yeah, fair enough." Even eight, they'd be like, "Yeah, that's fair enough." Because obviously it's twelve, and no one kind of realised we've lost eight first teamers. And if you, you could even say nine if you included Lolly. Yeah, you know it's. <laughs> There's a lot of players, and a lot of them players we did lose as well were big members of the squad. You know, Samba, Spence, Zink, and Argyle, Garner, uh, Davis, Garner. Yeah, so Bradford. you know, and then, yeah, and then, and then Figs and like Lolly was part of your 18 last season. So <laughs> they need replacing. You know what I mean, or you're just gonna, and then and, and then on the flip side as well, people moan at Norwich for not investing. So it's like you can't. Sometimes you thought we just can't win, can you? And I think. This is one of them times, really. Definitely. As long as Cooper's happy with the squad come in the yeah. window, I don't really care. And it's up to him to gel it, and I think he will. Yeah. yeah. There might be a few inconsistencies here and Let's there. Let's hope so. Fine. Just but, to touch on that, just to touch on that little final point there as well with the what we're spending and how many players we're bringing in. I think if you look at if you look at what we spent last year in the Championship, I think it was about five or six million. You look at Fulham and Bournemouth, they spent 40, 50 million in the yeah. Championship. So they're not mm-hmm. going to need new play- They're not going to need as many players as us, are they? It's, it's just... Common sense, but it's just a lazy take that does the rounds. Or oh, they're doing a Fulham, they're doing a Villa. 
They're going to go straight but, to the I mean, I mean, Bournemouth signed off dozen players in January, didn't they? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, and it's like Fulham, they've already got a ready-made Premier League yeah. striker, in my opinion, up top. I've always said Mitrovic in a good side to score goals in the Prem. You know, yeah. he certainly bullied Trent Alexander-Arnold yesterday when mm. caught that in the pub. So, yeah. We've signed 12 new players and we still had Lyle Taylor and Ollie Hammond on the bench. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and if you want... Martin delayed, as we keep saying. You can, you can either keep spouting the lazy takes or you can actually look at our squad for the first Premier League game. And look, I don't mean that as any any slight on Lyle Taylor or Ollie Hammond. Obviously, they're both at different ends of the career. Taylor's a, a decent professional by the sounds of it. Good to have in the dressing room. But come on, he shouldn't be anywhere near a Premier League bench, should he? <laughs> Nah, I think I think nowadays with football and it, it's this has come from the mainstream media, like the main one being Talksport. It's just so much clickbait crap, and people yeah. don't look into stuff. And even our fans are guilty of that. They see a headline, they don't read the article, and it's the kick off before they've even read the article. And you know that's just how football is that nowadays on social media, and that's probably why the Athletic did so well because their you know journalism is a bit more scrutinised, for example. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I like I said, I just hope keepers in their place, coming in the window where he's like, you know what, we've got a chance. This team's competitive. I've got what I want. I'm not sure anywhere. We've got two good players in every position. Let's go, and um, we're still a good three or four short away from being in that position. But so yeah, fireworks to come. Um, no pun intended regarding Huddersfield, who are having a tremendous season. But anyway, um. One person on top of Huddersfield, the next Huddersfield players, Joe Lolly, as we mentioned, is now sadly departing. He's going to Sydney. Obviously, we knew it was coming. We all said when we did the playoffs that we felt these would be his last games for Forest, regardless of what league we we're in. And um, yeah, you know, he's going to move on for a two year deal. And so, yeah, my question to you guys is what is your favourite Joe Lolly moment in a Forest shirt? So I'll start with you, Adam. What would you pick? That's a tough question. There's been a a few ones. I think there's going to probably be the same answer. I'll probably nick either Reese or Lee's or yourselves answer really because you can't really look past the Aston Villa performance, can you? Mm. Well, he got scored a wonder goal, got four assists, I believe, in that game against his uh, the team he supports. I don't think you can really look past it. And then I think if you go for an underrated kind of, I wouldn't say moment, but maybe a few others is like. He helped. He helped us steady the ship when Karanka come in in that difficult period of time. So, yeah, Lolly against Villa. I've, I'd have. I'd like to think I've probably took that one off Reese, Reese Lee and yourself, mate. But yeah, that's the bonus of coming for going first day. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, Lee, what would be yours for Jolly? Yeah, that that would be mine. It would have to be. I think. Maybe not as much the assists. I just think he had a good game that night. But just is that goal he scored in that game was just. That was Lolly at his best. That was that was the Lolly that Villa wanted to pay to buy. Um, it was I don't know. That was just it. Just typified grabbing the the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, I think another another thing that I would say with Lolly is I actually thought he was really good when football first returned after lockdown. He scored against Wednesday. I think he scored against Derby. It's, yeah, um, that goal against Derby was brilliant as well. And you know what? Since we're doing this, I just think I, I'd put it on record that regardless of what's happened behind the scenes, I, I don't think Joe Lolly should get a bad word from anyone. I think mm. it's almost been, it's been a bit like watching a sick pet over the last couple of years with him. Um, it's just not, 
it's just not worked. But I don't think it's ever through a lack of trying with him. I think it, it kind of, you look at his body language and it really hurts him that he's not the player he was like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I say, I think we've had a lot of players who have kind of, they know they pass the best and they just put zero effort in to kind of convince fans otherwise. But I don't think Lolly's ever been guilty of that. So fair enough, he's got a decent move to Australia by the looks of it in the pipeline. So, you know, good luck to him and hopefully he can show people over there that uh, he can still play a bit. Yeah, I really hope he can rediscover his old form out there. And um, if, like, I think it's a good, very good point. There will be players who just sort of like throw a towel in towards the ends of like, yeah, whatever. But he always, it was never for a lack of trying that it didn't work out for later in the last year or so. It's always been like, you know, he's always been very determined to get back to those levels and sadly hasn't done so. Um, Reese, what would be your favourite Joe Lolly moment? <laughs> Can I say Megan at Tossaruni at Derby? No, I've got it's an obvious one. And same as Adam and Lee, that that five five. I mean, that game will always stick in my memory. Um just because it was an incredible game and Lolly was, you know, probably the best player on the pitch that night. I mean, there were so many players who were good that night. That whole front four that night was incredible. So it's just we couldn't defend, unfortunately. And you know, Tammy Abraham scored four for them as well, didn't he? So, yeah, it'd have to be that. Another one what sticks out, I'm glad Adam or Lee haven't mentioned it because I was struggling a little bit then, was probably the looting game under Sabri. Definitely, um, yeah. Where he scored, he, he, I believe he equalised. I mean, Luton were down in the dumps and when their ball was behind. Mm-hmm. I think their keeper made it error for the first goal. But Sluger, he, yeah, he sort of yeah, it really yeah. near post, didn't he? But the second one, he kind of had off. no chance, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Literally what Lee said, I mean, he literally uh, has the same sentiments as me. He's just like, you know, like I said, it's just like been an old dog ante the last mm. couple of years, really. You do love him, but deep down, pulling his putting down and <laughs> moving on. And, you know, he, no, there won't be a bad, like Lee just said, whatever's happened behind the scenes. And, you know, there's always rumours flying about and, it won't be a bad word from me. He's he's been a great servant to the club, and for five hundred k, he's been one of the better signings. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Wishing the best in Australia, and it, it probably sums it up, doesn't it? That move. I mean, what is Lolly now? Twenty nine? Is he thirty? Okay. Apparently, he turned but, down a few championship clubs, though. Mm, well, so you know, what's he going? What's he going to Australia for? The money? maybe new challenge. Maybe maybe yeah. he actually feels maybe mm. he like. He could maybe rediscover his form mm. out there, whereas he might yeah, not. Yeah, maybe. The sunshine helps. That's yeah, it. well, it is the way of life. But, and that new challenge, but I just kind of think if you know, you're a footballer, I'd, I'm just, I'd rather stay in the championship personally and try and get the way back to where he was. But It's kind like of circumstantial, though, I think. Sorry to jump in there. Yeah, it's, kind of circum- it's kind of circumstantial, I think, with Lolly because... He's at the age now where if he goes to a championship club and let's say his injuries return, we know his shin's not great. His injuries return, he plays, mm-hmm. let's say he plays less than 20 times, doesn't register a goal contribution. Is that move to Australia likely to come back on the table again? Probably not. Multi-year um, deal as well. And you guarantee that, yeah, if it's if it's two or three-year deal or whatever, um, it's going to be on a decent whack. It's going to be on more money than he gets, get at, say, because let's face it, is it going to be a top-end championship club that's mm-hmm. wanting to take him? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, like Adam just said, glorious sunshine, great beaches, or six months at Rotherham. I mean, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> well, yeah, like, when you say it like that, it is a no-brainer, yeah. So I'll take your point. But, yeah, it's not a bad way of living, is it, to play football? 
you know, um, you know, iron who was the same one to go into Como in, in Italy. Yeah. So it's not a bad life for these With footballers as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not bad, is it? So yeah, know. maybe yeah. Joe Lolly or Wheeler living it large out there with Carl Jenkins. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, and Zach, and Zach Clough. Yeah, yeah. but that is. Coming still there as well. Yeah, yeah Jason Australia. Cummins. Yeah. Right. We are there. <laughs> the Mark Warburton Forest reunion squad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think um, oh one that we haven't mentioned is that for me anyway, um, obviously he loved bullying Birmingham. Whenever he played against Birmingham, he was doing something extraordinary. Um, be it like a 20-yard rocket instead of bringing front left hands or whatever else. <laughs> he always seemed to find a way to irk them somehow, which is really funny and obviously beneficial for us. I think one of my favourite memories of Lolly is... Um, with Borough away on the Karanka and I think it's more of a personal one because I fucking hate Tony Pulis I don't like he doesn't belong in football a bloke's not even a dinosaur is that would be a compliment <laughs> so like he's like actually he's, he's just he is literally like the footballing antichrist so and we I remember we went there the year before um, when Karanka first was like was dealing with sifting through the shit that we was left with before basically and um yeah, we, we were bullied on off the like you were just bullied by Bar that day. We lost two 0 It was a very routine, pure performance. Ball went came down with snow every time it landed in the, near the goal line, and we lost. But um, second time round, we went there with our with obviously Carvalho and Nolly and Gravin, etc. And then Lolly carried the ball about twenty yards or so, cut inside, just rattled it top corner. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, absolutely tremendous goal. And then, um, obviously, like I said, Luton was a good one as well. I felt that season, um, when we had those four firing, when we had Cash on the right, Lolly on the left, Carvalho on the 10 and Gravin up front, for the half season we had that work and crank, it was really good football. And um, he was an instrumental part of that. And obviously, on the Lamucci, um, Brentford away is another one for me for Lolly because they were so fucking arrogant in the build-ups to that game. And um, Lolly just comes on. I remember we, we overloaded that right hand side and three of them. I think it was Cash, Lolly, and I think someone else all running down that side at once got a corner and he's rattled it from it and just loved, looped over. So you saw that one game out as well. So he's given us some brilliant moments. He will, he, he does go down as one of my favorite Forest players, I think, in my lifetime anyway. Um, and yeah, I genuinely wish him all the best. I really hope he rediscovers his old form. I hope he, you know, gets that loving feeling back for the game and can show the world down under what he can do so yeah good luck to the bloke and um obviously let us know what your favorite joe lolly moment is and we'll maybe read some out next part but um obviously now it's time for predictions so we got west ham at home and everton away so adam we'll start with you um what's your mystic ball saying so obviously west ham uh at home next week um hopefully welcoming a West Ham fan to, to do a preview similar to the one we did with uh, Charlotte from the True Faith. So that'll be an interesting chat. Obviously, they played the defending champions today as we record this podcast and they got well and truly beat, which is which is obviously going to happen when you've got Erling uh, Haaland up front and, and Kevin De Bruyne. And like, I mean, I watched like 20 minutes of the game and Jao Cancelo looked like, Set maximum, but a left back. They was doing like tricks around Jarabo, and it was ridiculous. So I don't think you can judge West Ham on that game of how how they're going to obviously approach it against us. It's going to be a very tough game, but with a with a with a rammed City ground, you hope that we can get a positive result and and look to try and get our first point at least on the board, if not three. So I'm going to go with a. 1-0, hard-fought 1-0 against West Ham. And then Everton away, which has been 
an absolute goldmouth scramble for for tickets, as I've heard from from Reese and, and Lee. It's gonna it's been an absolute farce. Um, and they had a they had a tr- tricky game against Chelsea yesterday, which I watched as well, and. It looks good in spells, very, very light, unfortunately. I mean, when you've got Alex Awobi, he playing central midfield and, and Anthony Gordon have to fill in the, for the striker role because they've got no Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It's it's a bit, you're probably a little bit worried for Everton, but they actually did, they played Chelsea quite well, I thought, mm. considering. They were unlucky, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were really unlucky. Um, so that's going to be a real tough game and Everton's probably a team, we've all said that, are going to finish in the bottom three So as a collective. So... They are a team that where we need to go pick up a point maybe away from home, but and with them being a bit light, then it's quite a good opportunity. So I'm going to say I'll take a nil-nil at Everton at Goodison Park. Nice. So I'm going to go for that. I'm going to be positive. For a return, for a return. Lee, what about you? Yeah, I was I was thinking of being positive as well, actually. Um, We're a positive pod. Yeah, I do think... I do think I don't know. I'm pleased West Ham haven't beat Man City. I think that would have been the worst case scenario. Um, God, they'd have been so up for it, wouldn't they, to get six points on the board against us. But uh, I actually think it's written in the stars that we're going to win and Jesse Lingard's going to get his first goal in front of their fans and he's going to do a stupid dance playing a recorder or something crazy like that in front of their fans. Um, I'm going to go for 2-1 though and I think we'll come from behind. Oh, okay. Um, and then the Ever away, Everton away. It's a tricky game. I think it, I know you said to me yesterday, Reese, you think we're going to get our first win against Everton, but I actually think that's going to be a tougher game. I think Everton will be of the similar mindset to us that if they've got any chance of staying up this season, they'll have to turn Goodison into a fortress. Um, and the atmosphere there is really, really good when they're, when they're behind the team. So the challenge for me there will be to score first and make sure they're kind of against their team um, and it turns into a bit of a hostile situation for them. <laughs> Again, I'm going to sit on the fence a bit. I think it might be a draw. I think if we would score first at Everton, I think we'd beat them. But at this stage, I'm not convinced we will. So I'm going to go for a score draw. Score draw? Cool. Race, finally, your predictions? Um, I'm going to do what Lisa said. Next week, I think we'll be 1-1. Um, I do... Th- I, I think Lingard, Lingard will probably put us ahead and they'll probably equalise. Um, probably Antonio won't it? It'll probably be him. Yeah, the, the, the first one I do think will be Everton. I just have this feeling that I expected Everton to lose yesterday. I know you guys, I didn't watch the game, so I was on the way back from Newcastle, but I expect them to lose yesterday, which they did. I expect them to lose next week at Villa and I just think there'll be loads of pressure on them for, for them to beat us. And I just think they'll, I think they'll buckle um, under the pressure. We'll beat them one nil, and I just want to see that toxic Goodison part, obviously on the telly all the time, where literally Duncan Ferguson's on the pitch just trying to calm him down. But I think as he left now, he's gone now. Duncan, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so um, there's none of that. There'll be none of that. But um, that would be spectacular yeah. if he was on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. right. He doesn't work there anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He'll probably come back in like an advisor role just to like, calm <laughs> basically the players get lynched by the fans. So yeah, um that's how I see it going. And that'd be nice. But it'd be hopefully we can just, you know, get a point on the board next week at least. Um Definitely. and you know, just yeah. kind of get that monkey off his back kind of thing. I mean, even better if we can get a win at home 
West, you know, <laughs> saying this after our poor we played yesterday, but West Ham at home, are they, are they beatable? I don't, I don't know. Everyone's beatable. I, I, yeah, I just, I know, but it just, I mean, I expect it to be tough yesterday. I didn't think, even I didn't think it'd be that tough personally, but like I say, hopefully that's his monkey off his back the first game and hopefully we can get the next monkey off his back by getting a point at least on the board. Definitely, no, that's fair enough. I mean, mm. I think a four point return would be pretty good. Mm. Um, I'm going to go to obviously what Essex mob next in it. So, um, sold out city grounds banner. I reckon, I think we need, like I said earlier, generally speaking, whenever we have a bad performance or lose a game, the you know, it's very much like the levels rise the next week. There's a reaction every time in the Cooper, and I think that we know different next week. I think again, what I expect West Ham to play completely differently to as they would against City I wouldn't expect them to basically not leave their six yard box against us but I also think we will approach it differently as well we'll have the home ground behind us and yeah we'll sit around we're rocking that day there's no but and we like yeah I see Lingard scoring I think we'll win 2-1 um, hard fought 2-1 Lingard to get the winner and then Everton away um, it will take literally all of two seconds of a misplaced pass before the Gladys Street end is just booing them relentlessly because that's what they do. So, I, obviously, they're bringing in Quanah Cody. It's a good signing, very sensible signing. Obviously, they've lost Godfrey. Um, Mina's injured again. Um, the signing that Onana was going to West yeah, Ham as well. Yeah, a good signing mm-hmm. as well. And another, um, which would be interesting. Maybe I have to play centre-back at this rate. Um, obviously, Rondon will be back. Um, I don't, I don't want to laugh too much about that because knowing our like he'll literally bully Warrell for a header and score. But um, his only goal all season as well. But no, I think Everton away, I think we've we got a chance. I think we'll win that 1-0. I think, um, again, it won't take long. Um, I just don't rate Lampard as a manager. I don't see where their goals are coming from at the minute. I don't see... I mean, fair enough, they played fairly well against Chelsea. But did they raise their game because it was Chelsea? And it's, you know, I, I don't know. I think... It might be an element of complacency coming in when they play us. I think we'll exploit that and I think we'll get something. And hopefully then, you know, if we get four to six points from these next two games, it doesn't really matter about Spurs or City, really. There'll be bonuses. If we just, like, get through these first five games of something, then we'll move on from there. But we'll soon see. And again, um, we'll be very close to the end of the transfer window as well. But yeah, hopefully we can improve on yesterday's performance. I'm sure we will do. And yeah, City Grounds next time there'll be a very special magical place as it always is. But it will also return Premier League football back for Forest. Can't wait for that. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, take care and come on your reds. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.